0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Part two of our series. How many of you were here last week? Raise your hand. All right, put your hand. How many of y'all were not here last week? Yeah, y'all, y'all stayed up too late on 4th of July, didn't you? Is that what it was? You party too hard? Go ahead, let's have confession. Let's get it out. I talked to some people. You're like, yeah, yeah, 4th of July. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. I do want to encourage you, though. If you were not here last week, I would love to see you go pick up a CD or go watch online last week. I think it would be incredibly important for you to catch up on that. Because as we talk about four things I wish you knew about God, they're not all interrelated, interconnected, but man, last week was so, I want to say, just a setup message to prepare you for, for, for everything else. And so we're talking about the idea, and this is where it really comes from. If, if I could just sit down, And we were not doing a sermon, but if we were just having coffee together and you said, Todd, what what is the most important thing that that I need to know about God? Um, Part one is so pivotal to that. Number two is this, though, is this one is typically not a response that I give to people, but it's the it's the question that you're always asking. Most of the time when I sit down with people or people call me or people make an appointment with me or I, you know, I get into a conversation with somebody. Usually something comes out along these lines. What would God have me do here? What should I do with this? How do I know which way to go here? It's like you come to a fork in the road and, Todd, how do I know if I'm supposed to date this one or that one? Am I supposed to go to this place or that place? How do I know what to do next? Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? And most of our decisions come down to this. And what we're really asking, if we get into like churchy terms, is we're wanting to know what is God's will for my life or 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 what's God's plan for my life? What does God want me to do? And so here's what I want you to know about God. Number 2 is this. The the second thing I want you to know about God is this. Is that God wants you to know his plan for your life. Like God actually wants you to know this. It's not nearly as mysterious as we make it out to be. We typically make the will of God and the plan of God difficult and more difficult than it ought to be. We we make it more mysterious than it ought to be. But actually knowing God's will is very very simple most of the time. Are you ready? Today let's talk about that real quick here. Let's talk about what the will of God. How many of you don't want, to want want to know what the will of God is for your life? You want to know like what do I do? Cuz you know like there's so many things that aren't covered in the Bible, right? You wish there were a verse for that, you know. But if you do like a concordant search, vasectomy's not in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? In vitro's not in there. You know, like I don't know what I'm, I'm supposed to do this or that, or I, I don't even know that there, there ain't a verse for that. There's not a "Thus saith the Lord" or and Jesus told a story and then a guy did. There's not usually like in the details of, of life. But it's important, and it's what's typically on our mind if you're a Christ follower. And even if you're not a Christ follower, you still want to know what you don't know, right? And you still want to at least know what you ought to do, even if you don't actually follow through. You'd at least like the option to know what God would have you do. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. What is God's plan? Because He really does want you to know His plan for your life. Are you ready to go this morning? Let's pray before we begin. Can we do that? Jesus, we pray for these next few moments. Moments that you would speak to us, that God, through your holy words, that something would fire off in our mind, in our emotions, God, that something would change within us, that God, we would be moved in your direction, Lord God. That is our prayer today in Jesus name. And if you're with me, give me a good gospel. Amen. 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 So here's what you need to know about the will of God. The will of God is broken down into a few different categories. The first category of God's will or what God's plan is, or what God's going to do or accomplish is this. It's what we would call the sovereign will of God. And sovereign just means this. It means that God is in control, and you're not. As a matter of fact, you're not actually in control of a lot of things, right? The older you get, you figure that out, right? You're not actually in control of that much in life. And here's what you need about the sovereign will of God. You're not in control of it at all. So this is some of what sovereign will would look like. When God wants to do something, he doesn't take a vote. Notice he didn't ask you. He didn't consult with you. Never did he invite you into that process. So when God said, you know, I'm going to create a universe, he didn't ask you about that verse, did he? So then he says, well, I'm going to create a garden and I'm going to create people and stick it in there. God did that all on his own. That's what he chose to do completely aside from you. Like when he chose Abraham and said, I'm going to start a nation. Like he just did that on his own regardless of you, regardless of when he decided to send Jesus into the earth and that Jesus would die and three days later would rise again. He did that completely separate from you. And you didn't have like Jesus is going to return again someday. We don't know how we don't exactly know when we just know it's going to happen. And we don't get a say in that, do we? And that's God's sovereign will. It's what he's going to do, regardless of your thoughts, feelings, faith, or opinion. Are you with me? Smile at me and just, okay, good. Y'all didn't like that part where y'all weren't, weren't in control. It got quiet on me. So you're like, thanks, Todd. That's the part that doesn't matter to me because I don't have any control over it. So, But you need to know that, though. You just need to know there's a sovereign will of God. The second thing, and you're not going to like this one either, by the way. Let me prepare you in advance. There's a moral will of God. Like, like I don't know if you know this, but like, there was a, there was a preacher that came out. And this is a few years ago. And he said something dumb. He said, uh, God told me. To leave my wife and to go marry this other person because they were my real soulmate. That's who God wanted me to be with from the beginning. I just made a mistake earlier. <laughs> um, okay, so so you're dumb. And I don't know what spirit you're listening to, but that ain't the Holy Spirit. That's wine and spirits. And so that's some other kind of something another. Because, and here's how I know that is because God doesn't lay out a moral plan for how you should live life and then go back and just contradict that. Does that make sense? So, like, when you think of the Ten Commandments, this is God's moral will. So, when God says something like, don't steal, you never have to, like, get in the store and be debating. And be like, Lord, I think you want me to have this, regardless of the fact that I don't have the money. And the credit cards won't allow me to put any more on it. I mean, I just feel like you want me to have this, but the only way that I'm going to have is for me to steal it, so you must be okay with it. Does that make sense? And y'all aren't dumb people, so y'all, y'all don't do that. But sometimes we get into weird things. You know, like, thou shalt not murder. You know what I mean? Like, your wife could be crazy, your husband could be a nut job, but it's, it's never like, uh, should I? I don't know. It's, it's the moral will of God and, and it's, it's basically something that is there whether you like it or not as well. So you know the don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, uh, don't don't drink, chew or date girls that do you know like that that whole thing like there're just certain things that God doesn't want you to do. so like you know should I no it's adultery so that's that's no God doesn't you don't have to debate those things. now here's what you need to know about that. The, the, it, it's never convenient. That God has a moral will, I mean, sometimes it's inconvenient, right? But it's always clear, isn't it? It's always easy in the sense that it's clear. It's just not easy in the sense that it's always convenient. But you can always know what God's plan is when you come down to a moral dilemma and the Bible speaks clearly to that. Like, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to, like, sweat it out and go get into a prayer closet and be like, God, should I steal? Should I not steal? I I don't even know. Holy Spirit, speak to me. You don't have to do that. Because the moral will of God is right there in front of you. And here's the other thing. The more you know the moral will of God, because some of you don't know. Some of you, depending on where you're at and your understanding of the Bible or how long you've been following Jesus, sometimes people sincerely come to me and say, is it okay if? Am I allowed to this? Or can I do this? Or what? And they genuinely don't know. So you need to know what the moral will of God. And the more you know it, understand it, and live by it, the easier it is to know the third element of God's will. And this is the one you really all care about about. Are you ready? This is what we would call the personal will of God, right? So we got the sovereign will. That's what God's doing regardless of you. We got the moral will. This is the standard that God has set. It's clear as day. We know we can choose and make decisions through life based on his moral will. And then there's a personal will. This is the will that you and I most of the time come down to. Not all the time. Sometimes it goes back to that moral thing and you just don't like it. But when it comes to the personal world, this is where we genuinely have a fork in the road. And we could go this way or that way. And many times we are choosing between two good ideas, right? Sometimes it's not even, they're, they're just neutral. Sometimes, you know, you just get to where like, well, I mean, put it, put it this way. Let, let's talk about some of these ideas. The Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. Can I get a? Sometimes some of us question that scripture, but, but, but for the most part, children are a blessing from the Lord. But the Bible never says how many to have, does it? So like, like, should we have another one? And then you start praying. And you're like, God, speak to us. Tell us what should we do? Should we have two or three or seven or 18 and counting? I don't even know what that TV show was. But anyway, 21 and counting. How many kids did they have? That don't seem physically possible. Like, okay, so let me give you another example. Like, the Bible says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. So, so by and large, marriage is good, uh, and, and, and guys, you finding a wife is a really, really good thing, but you know, it, it never says, you know, Becky or Susan. You know, it doesn't say which one to go with. It doesn't help you in that category. Uh, here's another one God created you to work. And work is good. But you know the Bible never tells you which vocation to take. So when you're doing that aptitude test and you're like, you know, what, you know I don't know what career path I want. Here's another one. We, we know that like attaining knowledge and wisdom is good. Understanding is good. But it doesn't tell you which college or university to go to, does it? So all of a sudden you got accepted to this one and this one. One time I had a buddy of mine. And he was trying to, um, to, to get a job in ministry. And he says this to me. He says, man, because he had like two different churches that he was trying to really get to know more. And they both had an opening. And it was, he was trying to interview for both of them. And he goes, man, I really hope that they both accept me and invite me and give me a job offer. And I said, no, you don't either. You don't want that. Because the problem with getting both of them is, is then you're going to have to pray and struggle and wrestle with which, you know what's easier? If one of them says, no, you're weird, we don't like you, and the other one says, we love you, you're awesome, come and join us. Then you just, you never have to like wonder, because what if you take the one job, you get offered both, you take one, and then when it starts getting difficult, you're like, gosh, I should have taken that other one. You, you, that is, so sometimes options make life more difficult, don't they? Like for some of you guys, you know what I'm talking about, there's only one girl you could talk into marrying you, and so it wasn't even... It wasn't even an issue. You couldn't get a second one to you know. Anyway, I love you. So we all want to know when I get to the fork in the road and I've got a choice between two good options or two whatever. What what do I do? Where do I go? God, speak to me in that in that the prayer. God, tell me. You wish God worked in emails and post it notes and just just an audible voice will do. God, something. Tell me. Which you ever struggle that hard? Just tell me which way to go. Now I'm going to give you an answer that you're not going to totally love. But it is the most important answer I can possibly give you. Today we will look. I'm going to let Solomon answer this question. What is God's will? What is God's plan? What do I do? How do I know? I'm going to let Solomon answer this. And this is really, really important that you understand uh, who is saying this. Everybody say Solomon. So if you don't know the Bible, well, Solomon is a king in the Old Testament, and he has this unique encounter with God where basically God gives him a blank check prayer. He basically tells Solomon, Solomon, because of this and this and this, you pray and ask, and I'll give you anything you want. Now, how cool would that be? That only happens once in the Bible. So don't, you know, don't get your hopes up, okay? Okay. Um, So he asked Solomon, what what do you want? You you ask for anything. If it's riches, if it's this or power, you know, I'll do whatever you want. And Solomon says, you know what? I want wisdom and understanding so that I might lead your people. And God says, I'm so glad you asked that because I don't think I was going to give you that other stuff anyway. But I'm, I'm just testing you. And, and, and so he gives Solomon wisdom. Even Jesus alludes to the idea that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And so when you read like the Bible, there's a chunk in the middle. We usually call it the wisdom literature. Some of that was written by Solomon. So you ever read the Proverbs. Most of that was written by Solomon. He's also written some of the Psalms. He has a book. Uh, uh, it's really uh, an older man's reflection on life. It's called the book of Ecclesiastes. It's very hard to understand, I think, if you're not older. Because, like, he'll say stuff, and as a young person, you would be like, well, that's dumb. That don't make no sense. But, but uh, once you get older and you gain a lot of life perspective, Ecclesiastes makes so much more sense. He has this one book. It's a bit um, sensual. Can I say that? It's called Song of solomon or song of songs and it's basically a, a a love story poem i'll leave it at that y'all don't even need to know wait until you're married to read that book of the bible and so um you shouldn't even say stuff like that That now the, the the young people are like Ooh, what's in there i just use reverse psychology on you to get you to read the bible uh, not on purpose, though. So, so anyway, we're going to look at what Solomon said, because if Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived, he has got incredible insight into how do you make life's decisions, how do you know what to do, what is God's will. Now, if you had a grandma who was a Christian interior decorator, you've seen this verse before. You know what I'm talking about? Did y'all have a grandma that had verses everywhere and crosses plastered everywhere, and there's a verse on the fridge and a verse over the toilet, and there's a verse... Anybody have that? Some of y'all did, some of y'all had Christian interior mom, um, This is a super common verse, and I need you to dial in because this verse, although incredibly common, and when you hear it, you'll probably be like, yeah, I've heard that before. The the, the level of depth that is in these couple of verses is so powerful. This is what we're going to look at today. And so just read along with me. We're going to read the whole thing, and then we'll dissect. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight." Do not be wise in your own eyes. How many of you have heard this before? Raise your hand. You've heard this before? All right. If you've never heard this before, raise your hand. You've never heard this before. This is new information. Awesome. Y'all are going to love this. Bit. So listen, there is an incredible wisdom in what Solomon says here. And, and at first glance, you're going to say, Todd, that doesn't give me any answers to what God's will is. And I'm telling you, It does. The first thing that you need to just start with, just to break it down in chunks. He says this, he goes, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. Everybody say that when they say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. The key to knowing God's will begins right here. Is that As you trust, as you completely get vulnerable is what this word kind of indicates. It even has like a word picture of like laying down prostrate. Total vulnerability. Think about that, that before you go and make any life decision, I want you to become vulnerable to God and what what, what he's trying to say and who he is and all of his ways. I want you to do that. I want you to trust in the Lord with all your heart, because your temptation and my temptation is to basically trust in other things. Does that make sense? Like... We we just got different ways of looking. So he doesn't say trust in wisdom, trust in knowledge. He actually talks about trusting in God himself. And that's why last week was so important that you know who God is in and of himself, because that means that God then has no ulterior motive. Like God's not trying to manipulate you. To somehow get to his own end. Does that make sense? You are not a means to some end that God has. And you don't have to worry about God taking advantage of you. Now in life, you know, be careful. In life, be careful who you trust and how that all goes down. But when it comes to God, God has no ulterior motive because God is what? He's love. So so know this, that you need to trust in the Lord with all, everybody say all, with all your heart. Now here, here's, a, here's a play on words that you need to be very careful of. We have a... um. I want to say a a foolish idea in our culture. And it goes like this. Because this is how some of you make your decisions. Or or you'll talk to your friend, your gal pal. Um, Guys typically don't say this, but we we might. You're caught between a dilemma. Should I do this or should I do that? And they'll say something like this. You should do whatever's in your heart. Has anybody ever heard that before? What's in your heart? You should trust your heart. That has got to be the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Let me me tell you why. This is what Jeremiah said about your heart. Jeremiah said this. Jeremiah said that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. (laughs) Who can understand it? So, So is it wisdom to trust your heart that is deceitful above all things and beyond cure? No, because cause how many of you have ever done something where are like, I just followed my heart and you got heartbroken, you know? You followed your heart and you ended up just broke. You know, you followed your heart and it ended up making a wreck of yourself. This is typically where we follow into blind love or weird emotions or whatever we ate last night or we had too much alcohol and we followed our heart into foolishness, is what we did. So you need to know this. The Bible never says trust your heart. It says trust the Lord with your heart. Do you see the nuance? It's it, it's minor in the words, but I'm saying the ramifications are huge. Don't trust your heart. Trust the Lord with your heart. Because our heart, let's be honest, think about all of humanity, that when we trust in our heart, what do we normally come up with? It usually ends in grave wickedness, which is what Jeremiah said, think think about where humanity goes when we just follow our own way and follow our own desire and follow our own passion. When we do that, where does the world go? Where does life go? It normally heads towards incredible wickedness. So he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Because here's the temptation that we have, right? This is how we make decisions. We make decisions based on like, well, the way I see it. Well, 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 the way I was raised, well what mama used to do, what dad used to do, well this is the way I've always done it. I can handle that, right? Isn't that Have y'all ever heard those statements before? Come out of our own mouths, right? And when we do that, in essence, what we're doing is we're leaning on our own understanding. Does that make sense? So we don't want to make our decisions based on experience and upbringing and all that stuff. Now, listen, here's what you need to know. Who is saying this? I told you that the reason why you need to understand Solomon. If there was anybody who had incredible understanding, who was it? Solomon. Who's the one telling you not to lean on that? Solomon. Do you get it now? You need need to trust Solomon here because he's like, I've got all the wisdom and all the understanding that a human being can handle. And here's what I've learned. You shouldn't always trust in that if it's ever absent from the presence of who God is. Are you with me so far? Like, that's crucial. Next is this. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Everybody say, all my ways. So so you need to know this. Like, you have ways. There are paths that he's going to refer to in just a second. Like, and you know this, but you don't always think about it categorically like this. Like, you have, like, dating ways, right? Like, in all your ways, acknowledge him. If you're single out there you have dating ways. All of us have friendship ways. Some of us have marriage ways. Some of us have parenting ways. We all have financial ways and we have these ways. We different, different categories of life. And he's saying this in all of those ways, because many times what we do is this is sometimes we cling to stuff that we are unwilling to trust God with. I'm going to do this my way. Y'all remember the old song? I did it. My way, right, So, So what he's saying is this, is you need to be careful not just to trust God with part of your life, but trust God with all of your life, like in all of your ways. You've got all these different categories of life, and sometimes you're free to give up some of them. Like, I'll give you the perfect example. When it comes to your eternal salvation, you're willing to trust God. Do you know why? Because you have no other options. But when it comes to your financial ways, you're like, whoa, 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 you know what I'm saying? Look, I... I know what I want to do financially. I know how I'm going to handle this, and I'm not willing to do that. Now, that sounds crazy, and God, I can't believe you would ask me of that. And so that just seems too far out of bounds. So while I'm willing to trust you with the stuff that I really have no control over anyway, there's some things that I still have control over, at least I think I do, and I'm not willing to give up those ways. And he goes, be careful. Never lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. Really what that word acknowledge means, it means get to know who God is. In that arena of life. Because here's what I know. If you actually got to know who God was. When it looked at that category of life. You would then begin to trust him. Because God is love. And he has no ulterior motive. And he's trying to set you up for a blessed life. So that you can be a blessing to the world around you. Okay. So in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Here's the big deal that you need to see. And then this is the big. big, Y'all need to write this down. Is this. Direction starts with submission. Man, it's quiet up in here today. It's like, man, I just wanted you to tell me if it was Becky or Susan. Now you're giving me this whole like Bible thing and you're just you're doing Bible tricks on me, Todd. Stop it. Direction starts with submission. And here's what Solomon is saying. When you come to a fork in the road and you need to make decisions, what you actually don't need is more information. What you actually don't need is more insight. What you don't need is a post-it note. The most important and crucial thing that you could possibly get in your life when you have to make a decision is not more information it's actually more surrender and more submission because if you would just surrender and submit to who God is and to his ways and get it on his plan and it would start there in your heart right not trusting your heart but trusting God with your heart abandoning your own understanding and just lean into the ways of God and knowing God in that category of life that would be the precursor that would be the most important first step that you could possibly take Into knowing, what do I do next? Because this is what he says. He goes, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And then what? He will make your paths straight. So how do you want your, because to get your path straight in their work, because they always use colorful language and imagery in their language, is to get on the path of God, to get in the will of God. So if you want your path to be straight, how do you do that? Well, let's put it a different way. It's this. Submission precedes direction. Now, how many of you want the direction? Yeah, that's what we all want. That's why you come. That's why you call. That's why you Google it. That's why you ask your friends. That's why you make a meeting with me. That's why you struggle and wrestle in prayer because you really, really want to know which direction do I take. And what you're asking for is information. And God's antidote is not information. His antidote is submission. So the question is this. Is your heart actually submitted? Because when that takes place, listen to me discovering the will of God, gets really a lot easier. So if we're struggling with the direction, are we struggling with which way do I go? Do I go here? or Do I go here? The question we would ask ourselves, God, in what area of my heart am I maybe resisting you? In what area of my heart am I leaning on my own understanding? In what area of my heart am I trying to do this my way? Figure it out on my own. Ask other people instead of trusting in you and leaning into you and getting to know you in this area of my life. Because when your heart is submitted. When your life is submitted. I promise. Direction. Gets really really easy. But we want. What we want is this. We want more information. And I'm going to prove it to you. That you actually don't need more information. You need more submission. Are you ready? Everybody say Solomon. Y'all are quiet up in here. Can y'all take take a drink of coffee. Everybody just take a sip. Do something. Y'all need to help me out here. I'm sitting. I can't even like get up. And I, I can't be flamboyant. I can't do parlor tricks or anything. Um. Everybody say Solomon. There you go. Now you're back with me. Solomon is the one who said these incredible words of wisdom, right? Are you with me? Now, if anybody had knowledge and if anybody had understanding, it was who then? Okay. And Solomon gives us these incredible words of wisdom. Now, let me ask you a quick question here. Have you ever given somebody incredible wisdom, but you didn't actually follow it yourself when it came to you? You ever done that before? And you feel like you want to kick yourself when you do that, right? like you know that if you were talking to a friend about their situation you could easily guide them in what to do it's so clear to you but then when it comes to your own little world are y'all with me up in here y'all ever done that am i alone up here just two of us yeah it's so clear when you can help somebody else but then when it comes to your own mess it becomes so much you have so many more excuses it's so much more complicated you don't really understand you know there's all, but he has my cds you know whatever um That was good, wasn't it? You don't understand. I can't break up with him. He has my CDs. I don't have CDs anymore. Anyway, listen, listen to what Solomon says here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. But listen to the last words here. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And I'm telling you, if Solomon would have just gone back and had mama put this above the toilet and on the refrigerator and everywhere in the house, if he would have thought about this and meditated this, he would not have made the gravest error of his life, an error that was so huge, it split the kingdom. It was so bad. You want to see what he did? He didn't follow his own advice, which is proof that what you don't need is more knowledge because he had knowledge. What he didn't have was submission, the ability to surrender everything to your heavenly father. Listen to what happens. King Solomon, this is 1 Kings 11. King Solomon, however, <laughs> loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, some, somebody else, Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Now, listen. So then did did Solomon have information? Did he understand what the moral will of God was? Was it clear to him the direction and the path that he should have kept on? Yeah. I mean, Nevertheless... Solomon held fast to them in love. Man, this dude is crazy. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. It was their cultural wisdom back then that if you had surrounding nations, that if you would marry their daughters, that was the way that you basically made um, friends and allies in surrounding nations. Are you with me so far? And this is the way the surrounding kingdoms would do it. This is the way culture was done. Hey, this is how everybody does it, Todd. You don't understand what it's like. I know God's ways, they're kind of old school. Yeah, that's ancient stuff. But you don't understand what it's like, dude. It's 21st century. This is the way they did it in his day. And it still abandoned the ways and the clear direction of God's path. And Solomon had that knowledge, and it didn't matter. What he had lost was his submitted heart. Let's keep reading. So, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned, uh, turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. Here's the moral of the story. It's real simple. This is the moral of the story. That what you don't need is necessarily more knowledge. Now, knowledge is good. Don't get me wrong. The Bible says pursue knowledge, pursue wisdom, and pursue understanding. But above that... Your heart needs to be submitted to God. Because when you take knowledge, wisdom, and understanding and separate it from the presence and the person of God, you know what you end up with? Incredible corruption. Successful corruption. Solomon was the richest man who had ever lived up to this point in time in human history. He was incredibly wealthy. He was incredibly successful. Where do you think that all came from? Because he had knowledge, but what did he not have? He had lost his ways with God. He had lost his connection to God. He had lost his submission and surrender to God. And he ends up by the end of his life. This is why the book of Ecclesiastes was written to put a showcase on display that the pursuit of more, the pursuits that I took were all in vain. That's why the beginning of Ecclesiastes starts with vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Because he had gotten, because we sit around and we think, man, if I just had more money, if I just had more power, if I just had more, if I had more, 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 it would somehow be the solution. And the solution to life is not more. The solution to life is God. And the whole book of Ecclesiastes is written by a man who attained everything you could possibly think of or dream up, except for 700 wives, I think would cost too much. He had everything, and in light of that, he got to the end of his life and said, I've ruined my life, I've corrupted my life, I've found absolute uselessness and meaninglessness in life. So at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, you know what he says? He goes, this is what I've really learned. The best thing that you can do in life is to fear God and keep his commandments. That's the last verse of the book of Ecclesiastes. Fear God. And keep his commandments. Because what Solomon had discovered. And what Solomon had figured out. When it comes to knowing what to do next. My number one issue is not knowledge. It's not insight. It's submission. Is my heart surrendered to God? Or we could put it like this. What we really ought to do. When we go to make a decision is this. We should trust in the Lord with all our heart. We should not lean On our own understanding. In all of our ways we should acknowledge him and get to know him. And then let God make our path straight. But don't be wise in your own eyes. That is the starting point of how you make any decision. Now listen to me. There is more. And one of those key ingredients tomorrow, I'll talk about a little bit next week, and it's a little bit related, but it's an important subject. Please get in here next week into how you make those great decisions in life. Because what we talk about tomorrow next week is so important to all of life, but it will help in aiding how you make these decisions when it comes to life. Let's pray this morning. As you have your head bowed and your eyes closed, I wanted to ask you this question. Is there an area of your life where you're not submitted to God? Is there an area of your life, put it this way, that you know, you clench, you struggle, you kick back, you argue, you fight. When your wife brings it up, you've got all these reasons. When your husband brings it up, you've got your resistance and your kickbacks. When you read that scripture, when the pastor says whatever, because you know the feeling, something in your heart just twists a little bit. Some type of uneasy or uncomfortableness comes upon you because you know you know you want God, but you're resisting him in this certain way or category of life. Is there an area of your life where you are not submitted and you are is it in your dating ways? I don't know. Is it in your marriage ways? Some of you are struggling with parenting and your kids and all that, how that's going down right now. I would say this have you gotten to know God when it comes to your parenting ways? Have you sought God when it comes to how you parent? If not, raising kids, is, 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 it's like a crapshoot. We don't even know what's going to happen. They're just going to pop out one day, and we may or may not be happy with how they come out. Are you seeking and surrendering and submitting to God when it comes to that area of your life? Is it your financial ways? Jesus said the most difficult struggle you may ever face is how to surrender to God in your financial ways. It is the number one thing that absolutely tries to gain control of you. Here's what I know. As Christ followers, we all want to know God and we want to do his will. It's the struggle. And today I want to let you know that the struggle starts with you saying, God, I surrender. God, I give up. God, I want to submit this area of my life to you. And when you make that decision to lay down and to become vulnerable, that's the beginning of you getting right in the middle of God's perfect will and plan for your life. And so, Father, today we come to you humbly, God, and we ask for your help. God, we pray that you would give us the strength and the courage, that, God, you would help us to become vulnerable and completely dependent, completely submitted to you, God. We pray that as we follow you, God, all the pride, the self, they would begin to just fall away off of our heart as we draw closer and closer to you, God. We pray that you would give us, God, the direction that we need as we surrender to you, God. That is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap this morning.